Welcome to Booked, where something. Fuck, man, right? Like, <laughs> I was thinking about this. That's why I wanted you to lead, because two books talk about the books they're reading. We're not reading anything. Two books talk about books. Two guys talk about book stuff. Here's, I'm going to tell you how Dude, much preparation. Dude, if there was a podcast where two books talked about shit. <laughs> See? Like, that's I mean, when we we're get not the even, real listenership. I'm not even speaking English anymore. <laughs> um, I, I, uh. Here's here's where we're at for this week. Um, we had talked about doing books everyone needs to read before they die, book style or whatever. Um, we tried doing that. We'll probably talk a little bit about that in the in this episode because um, it's much harder than you think it is. Yeah. Um, but here's I have never been this unprepared, and I was thinking back to the first few episodes where I used to handwrite notes, and I always oh, had way yeah. more notes than we could cover. Right. So we went from that to like I highlight some stuff, make some notes in a book occasionally. We have a document. Remember the documents used to be super detailed, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Then we crazy. got to the point where it's like seven bullet points. <laughs> Once in a while, Rob would put his quotes in there. Um, yeah. And now there's no document, there's no topics, there's no anything. So what this is probably going to sound like is about the closest um, you, most of you, will ever be to just sitting in a car or in a room with me and Rob as like a silent participant where you're listening yeah. to the conversation. So Jesse Lawrence is probably, this is going to sound very familiar for you. You've probably heard <laughs> some of this stuff. Um, we have nothing. We have nothing tonight. So we're going to record uh, the two of us bullshitting for as long as we can possibly maintain this. But I will tell you, as much fun as the lazy summer of podcasting is on the not having to be somewhere at a certain time kind of thing, like I have to read this book by Saturday, um, I, I hate these episodes. Wow, that's strong words. First of all, um, I don't. I, I I just love doing the podcast. I like all of it. I just want to make a particular note that um, in in the new apartment, I'm in a different place than I recorded last time, so my audio quality might be a little different. I probably sound kind of like I've got an echo. I don't care. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm flying out tomorrow, and and I didn't have time to really set up a good setup because I've got a lot of stuff going on. So um, that you're just gonna have to accept my level of echoiness i guess this episode is what i'm saying <laughs> i was very tempted to just go do this from my car that's how i feel about this episode i really don't need anything it's kind of true like we could have like, just yeah like 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 fat and a podcast like the way they started out <laughs> actually like yeah recording in a car in a car I, they, I, would, I, they would review a movie yeah. And go sit in the car with a recorder, probably on a on an Android phone or an iPhone or something, and just yeah. record an hour ish worth of stuff. So um, we're not quite there, but maybe the next episode will be the car episode. The slow de evolution of the podcast. Um, uh, yeah, hopefully that's not real because I have a lot invested in this podcast. I love this podcast, but this 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 not having a format has been really rough on me. I mean, that's what I'm talking about. It's, it's terrible. Anyway, so Rob made mention that he is going out of town, so we should catch up on what's going on with us. Um, some rough weeks. Rob moved, so he's settling into his new place. Um, can we can we mention maybe not exactly why, but why you're going out of town? Um, yeah, we mentioned recently that I got promoted at work, and um, I have to go to. California for a week for training for my new job. So, I'm... which uh, which part of uh, California will you be in? <laughs> um, kind of in the. I mean, it's kind of weird in the San Jose area. There's a collection of little towns, mm -hmm. um, that all kind of comprise that area. 
the particular one I'm going to is is near there, kind of, I don't know, Cupertino-ish. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I um I see I forget that when you get to California, and, and I'm not trying to be funny, that all those towns, the names you know, a lot of them are like right on top of one another. Yeah, right? or they're like eight hours drive away from. Right. Yeah, it's yeah. one or the other. Yeah, so to me, you're never close to anything, no matter what city you're in, because, you know, we're from Chicago, and then the closest, you know, metropolis to Chicago is, you know, like Indiana or Milwaukee, yeah. and they're not exactly really close, so at any rate. So oh, Rob man. is, oh, I'm sorry. It was even worse when I lived on the fucking East Coast. Um, when I lived in Vermont, I was two hours from Boston, four hours from New York City, eight hours from D.C., um, there, like everything, Philadelphia was right there. Fucking Hartford, Connecticut, like everything was within a half a day drive. It was nuts. And you were and you were in the middle of nowhere. It was in the middle of nowhere, and I never went to any of those places. I just kept going into Boston. Yeah. Um. So that's what's uh what's going on with Rob. I um have been inundated with work, and um this is uh, we're recording this on Saturday. It's my first day off since last Saturday. Um, at 60 plus hours, it's going to be a rough couple weeks for me. And this, all of this kind of is one of the reasons we're doing the lazy summer of podcasting. I am not even sure if I could, I mean, physically I could have squeezed in a book. I don't know if emotionally I could have squeezed in a book this week and my next couple of weeks are going to look very, very frighteningly similar. So a little bit of backstory on why we're, uh, why we're handling the summer the way we are. Um, but so, all right, so here's the, th- so today not that long ago, I decided I should prepare for this books you have to read thing, right? <laughs> so what do I do? I go, ah, this great tool that I've used so much called Goodreads. And I realized how little I've used Goodreads and how I only really started putting books in there as I was reading them. So I've never gone back and marked a book. So I have favorite books from 10 years ago. All my books are 2010 and newer. Um, and, and Rob, I know you said you've been using it for how long? Um, I'm a member since the summer of 2007 so i've got this is my ninth year of tracking um like what books i read each year yeah, and now have you ever gone back and and, and reviewed or, or marked uh, older books like favorite books from your youth or, or anything like that I, uh, to a degree i mean if you add up these nine years so the my total books in in goodreads is just under 400 um, but if you add up the last nine years of bookshelves that's probably Oh, shit. I don't know. Maybe it's close. 250, maybe? I don't know. Hang on. Maybe I... Should I do the math? Is this going to be yeah, a podcast? Sure. Oh, I sure. You do the editing. All right. So. <laughs> oh, shit. Actually, um, there's really quick calculator work right there. Um, 285. I know that's not a ton of books over the last nine years, but that's only, a, you know, that's less than 100 books that I've put in that are not part of that last mm-hmm. kind of stretch of of years yeah and see mine is 178 and the first two years were pre-podcast years and i think that's like 100 of them so i i used it i mean i initially signed up i was writing down just to keep track of how many books i read somehow i came across goodreads and uh decided i would use that as a tracking tool so i went back and you know i'd put in all the ones i'd written down but yeah i i don't know for me it was a tracker and it was never really a rating system i mean i would rate books i read but I never, you know, that's why I said I can go back and, you know, rate, you know, the entire Hardy Boy series, I guess, if I wanted to. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, what it, I'm sorry. No, no, it's okay. But it's, yeah, it's one of those things that, yeah, so it, it, I thought that would be, oh, I could just go to this list and pull, no, that's not how it's going to work. 
Yeah, and I, I kind of had the same feeling because I was going to go back and like really try to do a strong archive of all the books that I could remember that I'd read. And then the rating thing kind of threw me off. It's like, am I really going to rate a fucking book that I read 25 years ago? I'm really, you know, like, how could I accurately rate something like Lord of the Flies or something that I read in high school? Or would I even want to? Or like, um, so my passion for going back and really um, categorizing the books read kind of tapered off. But I liked it as an ongoing tool for keeping up with, you know, from then going forward. Oh yeah, it's great for that. I um, do you think that when those people write the lists, because that's what this all started about, that's what happens. They're like, oh, I'm gonna put together this <laughs> list. They're like, oh man, this isn't as easy as I thought. But they've already committed to like the the editor of the website that they're gonna have this article. So that's when they go through and go through three other people's lists, and it's all the same. It's thirty of the same fifty books. So we're we're experiencing like the first half of what they went through before they made yeah. the bullshit list is what they're yeah doing. so i'm totally ready lord of the flies is a book everyone must read before they die <laughs> i don't you know um uh the other thing that occurred and it's funny that you said this because you were like i don't know how to rate a book from 25 years ago i was going through i sorted by um you know the top rated books because clearly i thought those would be the ones and as i was scrolling through them i'm going man i don't I don't still think that's a five-star book, which is weird. So I guess, and, and in some cases, I found a couple that were in my fours that I thought this could be a, a possible contender. Now, I don't know if I would add it to a final list, but I'd be like, oh, this book. So I guess the question is, for you and, and for listeners, if you want to post on the book podcast listening page or whatever, you rate a book when you read it. That's That might be the right time to do the rating, but what if that changes? Does it, does it, do you follow what I'm saying? So if you looked at your list now, you might see something, right? And go, oh, did I really give that five stars? Well, should that book still be a five star book when you're talking to somebody? If now you're looking at it and you're not sure, I mean, I know it's not fresh in your mind anymore. Oh, I'm scrolling through my shit right now. I'm trying to find a good example of uh, a mislabeled five star. Um, so far, I'm pretty accurate to my feelings right now. I can see what you mean, though. Like, at the time, you might have been either like somehow just more sympathetic toward it uh, and in retrospect you have a different perspective or maybe you just have read better stuff since then is that one of the, the factors you're thinking I, I don't even know I mean it, I, I didn't specifically you know I don't I, I could go back I guess and look and, and ask myself that question about a specific title but I, I think you know some of this might be the Polonic theory of read the short story today and if it sucks read it again in 10 years <laughs> well but you know there's yeah. something to that I think <laughs> And then two other things have occurred to me since we've been talking. One is that um, maybe five stars isn't enough. So I think that part of what was happening is I'm looking at a five-star book that I think is one of the best books I've ever read. And then right below it is a five-star book that I go, yeah, I remember that being pretty good. And it's hard because they're in the same. They're in mm, the same. Yeah. They're rated the same. So and one is clearly, clearly. 10 times better than the, I mean, not 10 times, but you know what I mean? One of them's clearly three times better, but they're both five stars. So would it be, would out of 10 be more accurate? So that you have like a little bit more nuance to your rating? I, I think that, yeah, maybe spreading it out a little bit would be, would be a little, a little better. Clearly Goodreads isn't going to do that for us. I don't know if we want to do that as a podcast because Rob maintains very detailed <laughs> math charts. Oh, hell yeah, I do. So I don't want to start telling him we're going to go out of seven. 
uh, <laughs> to really and then yeah, not use not use a number that's divisible by five either. Just really you know throw it out there to seven and a half is the highest rating we can give something. Um, but then I thought about too in in thinking about you know how I remember feeling about a book. I think about the people who don't read frequently. And, you know, hosting a podcast, I run into this a lot, too. People be like, oh, did you read this book? And I go, I go, no, no, I didn't read it. They're like, oh, it's an amazing book. It's a great book. And in talking to them, they, they don't read. They read that book. And I don't know if the experience of reading or getting a story delivered to them. And I'm, I'm sure it was a great book. But those people who read very little, every book they've read is, like, one of the best books ever. You know what I call that? What, it, what do you call that? I call that the Dan Brown effect. Oh yeah, you know what? That's yeah. yeah. I mean, if I went back, I don't. I, I'm pretty sure that the first Dan Brown book um, that I read is not, which is um, Angels and Demons. I'm, I'm sure it's not in here. I'm sure I would have rated that a five star book when I read it because it was really kind of, for me, mind blowing in the yeah science versus religion and how detailed and how factual all the information, with the exception of the actual character story, was. You know, all the backstory was so you know well researched and interesting and you know things we talked about when we reviewed his books here on the show but yeah the dan brown effect because there are there are people and, and you talk to them and, and they're like you know you could, they've read three books as they're adult and all three of those books they highly recommend so a they have nothing to compare them to i guess is one of the problems and uh and b um you know maybe the experience and then that's the whole thing like if i only read three books and they're all brilliant why wouldn't i just keep reading hey Sounds like a nice tagline for our podcast. Well, we should uh, use that. <laughs> um, well, I mean, I guess, yeah, to, to, to put it in the simplest terms, if I only ever read one book, that's the best book I've ever read. Well, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, that's very true. Very so, true. Yeah, with so experience I, comes, I think, yeah, a little more perspective. Yep. Well, and that's, you know, and if you look at like IMDb, which I don't, very often use as a gauge for if I'm going to watch a movie or or a TV show or whatever. But you know they go to ten, and um, I, I think that that does make it a little a little easier to really dif- differentiate having more spaces in between. Fucking speaking of, um, that just made me think because you said IMDb. Do you know how like thoroughly shit upon that new Fantastic Four movie is? How like bad that thing is received only from what i've seen people mention on facebook um i haven't actually looked but you know i have the internet i should probably do this it's got like a nine percent on rotten tomatoes or something like that it's got something that's like astonishingly low yeah i uh i never really do understand how rotten tomatoes works like how they're how they come up with that number i've never looked into it it's only thing there's like I think that there's a critical and a customer rating. So I think there's mm-hmm. two different um, categories of rating: um, tomato meter and then audience score. Do you know what the difference is? I'm trying to find out. Percentage no of idea. approved tomato meter critics who have given this movie a positive review. Audience score: percentage of Rotten Tomatoes users who have rated this movie 3.5 stars or higher. Oh, okay. So three and a half being. A watchable movie. Yeah. yeah. Right now, the tomato meter's at nine percent, average rating three point four out of ten. Oof. And that's of one hundred forty nine ratings, so or that's not a small number. Mm-hmm. So Metacritic is uh, is basic. I'm sorry, Metacritic. I'm reading what's on the screen. Um, IMDb <laughs> shows numerous ratings. 
So yeah. they're um, on 173 user reviews and 171 critic. Um, the Metacritic.com score is 37, which sounds low. There's a meta score of 27 of 100, and it's four stars out of 10 from 13,000 users on IMDb itself. So, yikes, man. So basically, this is yet another Fantastic Four movie that has not done very well. <laughs> I guess that's what it really comes down to. Thinking about this, I really wish that books would get the same treatment that movies do. Like, it seems like if a movie's a piece of shit, pretty much everybody's like, yeah, this movie's a piece of shit. But you put a shitty book in someone's hand, they're like, oh, I loved it, James Patterson. And it's fucking annoying. It, it is. Too? No, I mean, it is. I, I But, uh... I, know, I guess there's some some universal appeal. Well, I don't know. Is it universal appeal? I guess it's tough, right? Because I'm fucking right. <laughs> with the except, well, but let's look at, at how people rate things. So it, it's like when I look at um, if I go to Amazon because there's a, a tech item or something that I'm interested in, right? And I, I go to user reviews. It seems like there are people who review everything, which is great. That's us, right? So we we read a book and we we talk about it and we give it a number, even if it's just on our podcast, okay? For me to go and write a review for something else personally outside of a book, I would have to love it or hate it, which kind of skews the metric a little bit because a lot of things are just okay. A lot of things are pretty much just okay. I'll agree with that. Right, but I'm thinking the average person. Now, unless you're somebody who is tracking your, your movie ratings or your book ratings through Goodreads or whatever, you know what? You're, you're probably writing a review for something. So there's a lot of Fantastic Four reviews where it's somebody took their, their three kids uh, and their wife, and they they spent you know six hundred dollars between popcorn and movie tickets and and whatever, right? And it was like this big deal, and it's supposed to be like you know it's, it's a superhero movie, so everyone expects the Avengers, and they got a piece of crap movie. They're probably far more likely to go write a review saying how terrible it was, right? Than the person who goes and goes, you know, it, it was okay, it was all right, it was fun, nothing 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 real special, but it was okay. That person is probably less likely, I think, I don't know, to go and write a review. Yeah. No, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think I can get on board with that. Now, I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. As we were talking about this, I was just thinking to myself, and this might be a, a sign of my age creeping up a little bit. You ever get that, like, man, they just don't make movies like they used to kind of feel? Like, you were saying that, and I was thinking, yeah, Fantastic Four, that's no lethal weapon. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes and no. My my uh my affection for mainstream movies has has all but disappeared. Mm-hmm. So I, I I mean I'm now foreign films, little indie films, weird films. That's pretty much all I watch. I won't say I won't put something on because people are talking about it and it hits Netflix or whatever. I've got a free Google Play rental, but realistically, I, I haven't seen the second Avengers movie. Yeah, neither have I, actually, not yeah. much I, I, I saw the first one. It was okay. It was a fun movie. I, if I had to rate it out of ten stars, I'd go oh, probably like seven, six and a half, seven. It was, it was a good movie. Um, I'm, I'm just completely out of love with mainstream films. Now, that being said, astute listeners might note that I'm also kind of out of love with mainstream books, which I think we both are. Um, and I think it, it becomes... I don't even know if it's that they don't make movies the way they used to, but some of those movies we saw in our formative years were the first of those movies we were seeing. Now, could we go back 10 years before that and find movies that we would have liked just as much had we have seen them, but we didn't because we were 7 or 12 or 15 and weren't interested in that type of movie, and then you see one at 25? Yeah. 
So I, I don't know. I mean, I guess the ideal thing would be, you know, we should find someone who's 18 and, and ask them what the current state of, of mainstream movies is because to them all of it's new. You know, I mean, they're now getting into more adult movies where they're and maybe not 18, even younger than that. But someone like that who, I mean, I guess everyone has seen the Avengers by now. But what would somebody think of the Fantastic Four if they didn't see Iron Man and the Avengers and whatever other decent, you know, the Batman movies, which I know were totally different because they're so dark in scope. But you know, what would they think? Would they yeah. be like, wow, this is actually pretty cool. This is my first legit exposure to a superhero movie. And I think it's pretty cool. That's the fucked up thing, too, because, like, when the 1989 Batman came out, that revolutionized Batman, right? Like, even that, though it was, like, yes, a weird... that fucking movie was brilliant. <laughs> right. It was a fucked up Tim Burton movie, but, like, mm-hmm. it changed the shit out of how we look at Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, which I bought it when it was four ninety nine on iTunes, so I own it, and um, I did watch it recently. Lots of prints going on. Well, that's quite possibly one of the best parts of that movie is the soundtrack. <laughs> I was like, so. was this thing filmed in Minneapolis? <laughs> so yeah. much prints. Um, but then perspective shifts because once the Christopher Nolan Batman movies came out, suddenly the Nicholson Joker was a fucking joke. That's yeah, and and, uh, but see, that's uh, you. It, the only way you can do something like that is is to work with an established an established storyline, right? So if, oh, yeah. if someone made a new superhero movie and it was completely new superhero, whatever, you know, Dead Man or something, you know what I mean? There wouldn't be <laughs> the well, like nineteen eighties Johnny Depp movie Dead Man. Oh yeah, all right, maybe that's a bad title. Any rate. But you understand what I'm saying. So we've taken Batman, and what did we really know about Batman? If you're not a hardcore comic book fan, um, Adam West. Yep. That was your exposure, yeah. right? For someone who's our age, you know, whatever. I know there's a little bit of a gap, but anyway, that's what you grew up on was that Batman. So to see the, the the um, oh, God, what's his name that was in it? Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton as Batman. Wow. Um, oh, go, that's, that's pretty cool. <laughs> but then you see a retelling of that because now that is your movie exposure right so it went from adam west to that to seeing it the new way what's going to be interesting is to see how the newest one plays out yeah yeah Wait, so i don't know fucking ben affleck yeah batfleck yeah you know what i like ben affleck i don't have the same hate for ben affleck that everybody seems to have kind of like ben he actually that make that brings up a good point that i've been thinking i've been internalizing lately um, when I was younger, I fucking loved watching Kevin Smith movies, and I've kind of evolved a little bit away from them. Well, because they're all fucking terrible now. But uh, well, that well, walrus one, movie yeah. was that oh walrus movie fucking was awful. Um, but I'll go back and I'll you know kind of re-listen to and enjoy um, an old movie. Like I was watching Mallrats. What I'm getting at is I was watching Mallrats mm-hmm. um, recently, and. If you ask me, it doesn't get better than, like, the first three movies. Like, not okay. So, Mallrats and Chasing Amy. If you look at the dialogue and and the in the style that was thrown out there by Affleck and um, Jason Lee, mm-hmm. that shit was fucking prime. I agree wholeheartedly. And if that's what Smith put out for, you know, three, four, or five more movies, I would love the shit out of those. But that's definitely not. That's not the part of his movies that he embraced, which is kind of disappointing. He he latched on to the Jay and Zion Bob characters, which were always, which should always have been like an afterthought kind of thing. Yeah, peripheral characters. Yeah. I agree. Yep, yep. I, I agree with everything you said. Now, 
I want to go back and, and, and um, qualify a statement I made. I absolutely love Ben Affleck. If he is not in the fucking Mallrat sequel because he's too fucking big for that shit, fuck Ben Affleck. Because he has not been. Now, I haven't looked into it lately, but originally, you know, they had like 13 or whatever confirmed people returning. Yeah, he's the only he was one not on that list. And he's friends with Kevin Smith. So I don't know if that might yeah. be just one where he's going to show up, but it's going to be super quiet where that's not going to be a. It's not going to be in the trailer. It's not going to be broadcast level of walk on role because he wasn't a key character in Mallrats. I mean, he, he was in a way his character was important, but he was on screen for all of right. like three, four minutes. He wasn't, you know, yeah. a big part of it. So. Yeah, no, it was all downhill after after chasing Amy. It's fucking sad. Even yeah. Oh, I I did. You know what though? Uh, I did like that weird um, uh, whatever. What that was red some um, red, red state? state. Yeah, I liked Red State. I mean, it wasn't anything like his other movies. I mean, it didn't even try to be, but it wasn't a bad film. Mm. The Kevin Smith. Welcome to Smith. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. This is what happens when we have no format. It all comes back to Kevin Smith. So, have you seen anything good lately, movie wise? I mean, I know you said you've been rewatching some stuff. Have you seen anything newer that's that's uh, that's interesting? Um, hang on a second. I've been trying to catch up on a lot of shit lately. Um, I've been doing weird catch up. Like, uh, um, oh, I did just watch. Um, the third season of Banshee, which is not a movie, but oh, Banshee! Fuck, man! Did you see that third season? Of course I did. Are you kidding? Ooh, shit gets crazy. Yeah, um, Banshee's fourth season. It has been announced will be its final season. Um, not not cut by Cinemax. Apparently, Cinemax was actually pressuring them to do more. But it's it's uh it's one of those where they said, you know, we're 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 we want to end on a good note, and mm. you. Know, we, we're we're going to be able to tell a good story this season, and that's where this story is going to end for you know at least for us. So, um, I, I got to give it up to my boy Alan Ball. You know he's from um, True Blood. No, actually, I did not know that. Yeah, and he's the was he the show creator? Or he's one of the exec producers or something. Um, I don't I, honestly, I don't I, see. That's more your thing. Like who's behind the scenes is not uh, is not typically something that I pay a lot of attention to. Spice Girls are back together. Oh, that's exciting. I actually saw fucking talking about Spice Girls. This takes me back to um, when I was like just out of high school. One of my friends was working at a movie theater, you know, like they do when they're young. And <laughs> yes, like there's that. people who work at movie theaters, I'm aware. It's <laughs> trying to make sure you're on the same page as me with that. Um, fucking, uh, and the, one of the nice things about that was when there was a movie that came out, um, like they would they would receive it on Thursday so that it would be ready to air on or to play on on Fridays. So they would do a midnight showing for employees of new new movies that enough people wanted to watch. And so Spice World, I got to see the the day before it came out basically as a midnight show. So I was one of the first people to see fucking Spice World. I'm gonna. I don't know if I can top that because you were one of the first people, but. I am the only person on this podcast who saw the Spice Girls perform live. Oh, shit. <laughs> I didn't even know what to think about that. Now, I yeah. have to give you some leeway on that because you have some family who might have been younger girls when that. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah. That's, um, although there were no children there. Are you going to latch onto that excuse? Okay. No, there were no children there. <laughs> so that, no, no. But at any rate, I'm not terribly excited oh, about the Spice Girls reunion. Um, I do watch America's Got Talent, and um, I do like Mel B quite a bit. But, yeah, I, I, um, it was um, 
somebody had tickets they weren't going to use is what it came down to so okay so that's the excuse still, yeah. you're going with yeah no that's not the excuse that's legitimately what <laughs> <laughs> that's that's legitimately what it is hey, i tell you it was uh it, it was it was cool i mean it's it's super produced and and that that has its that has its good points you know what i mean a million yeah. different uh you know uh set changes and and clothing changes and stuff oh, but i mean i i grew up on i grew up on hair bands you know that's who i went to see <laughs> right so but but that's what I, you know i mean there was none of that i mean once in a while you get the, a band that had some explosions or i've seen alice cooper like 11 times and that Jesus was kind of Christ. a theatrical stage show almost you know what i mean but I, I guess I like my concerts a little more gritty than that. I don't like concerts at all anymore because, quite honestly, now I can't see myself going and spending four hours getting pushed around by people half my age. So <laughs> it's just, just not not really much of a thing for me anymore. Yeah, I hit my, <laughs> I hit that point where um, you hit that point where you go to fucking concerts and you're like, I am done. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you exactly the show that I was at. I don't remember the exact year it was, but um. One of the kind of genres of music I'm into is like industrial, like electronic music and stuff like that. And um, Pigface, have you heard of them? No, no, not no. Pigface is a band that um, the the main guy is named Martin Atkins. He's a drummer, but he also ran. Um, oh fuck, my knowledge about this is really, really. Uh, what did he run? Wax Tracks? I don't know. He ran a, a, a music label. And um, so he was, like, very influential in, like, the kind of techno-industrial scene. Um, Pigface was playing um, Chicago, and they were their opening band, they had, like, two opening bands, but one of them was one of my all-time favorite uh, bands of the genre, Sheep on Drugs. Have you heard of them? No, no. <laughs> I don't know much about electronic music. You'd have to hit, like, one of the, like, top five for me to even recognize the name. Well, you've probably heard of, like, KMFDM and stuff. Yes, I do know KMFDM. Or, like, like My Life with the Thrill Kill Cult. Um, I don't know that I've ever um, listened to anything by them, but, yes, no, I know who they are. I did see yeah. Lords of Acid. Oh, fuck, I've been to been to them shows. Met the band once. Oh, the Chemical Brothers, mostly because they were on the soundtrack to one of my favorite, like, Super Nintendo games. <laughs> I went to a Chemical Brothers show. We probably went to the same shows, but... um. This particular pig face sheep on drugs show, I was super excited about, but it was like a few years after it kind of stopped, like my concert going had tapered off and everything, but there was a show that I couldn't miss because it's not like they toured all the time, so it was difficult to see these guys Mm -hmm. live. Cut to the actual show. It's at Dirty Nelly's in Palatine. Um, So not a huge venue. I was going to say where all the big bands play. Right. (laughs) Yeah, we're like, you know, the the real popular band in the local high school place. Um, <laughs> not a big place at all, but, you know, it had a, a familiar kind of layout. So it had, like, the the ground floor area, but then also kind of a balcony area where they had tables and stuff like that. And typically, in my youth, concert going, I would be, like, right up front at the stage watching the band and everything. For this one, nope. I, uh, I was up <laughs> sitting at a table on the top balcony. Watching Sheep on Drugs perform and eating like a plate of nachos. <laughs> wow, that's so weird. Yeah, see, that's and that's I how like, I feel I'd be better. now at a concert. Like, that's what I would be doing. I'd go see one of my favorite bands, um, you know, some punk band or whatever, and I would be the guy eating nachos in the balcony. <laughs> that would be that would be my level of commitment now to, like I said, to yeah. that type of event. So, well, I know 17 year old Rob would look up and be like, look at that fat idiot, but yeah. not 17 year old Rob was like, 
where has this been all my life? So. Many, uh, many years ago. And actually, uh, you know what? We were probably working together at the time. I got uh, tickets to the Sea Alkaline Trio two nights in a row. Mm-hmm. And uh, you remember Mo that we worked with? I do remember Mo. So the, the he went with me the second night. So the second night, <laughs> we're... <laughs> He goes, I can't go down to all those people. So we go up to the balcony. And it was really interesting getting to see the the same people, you know, same type of people from afar and how fucking crazy it looks from above. Like mm-hmm. when you were in the middle of it the night before. Yeah. So it's kind of a, a real eye opening experience because, you know, all I know is that, you know, I'm constantly being pushed and bumped into the, you know, six people immediately around me. Seeing yeah. it from up top, I got to tell you, it's kind of intimidating. Like, had I gone back the next night, I don't know that I would have been able to go right back up back front, to, yeah. you know, which I did subsequently, you know, for other concerts and stuff. But it, seeing it was definitely a little eye-opening, especially, I said, when you were in the in the middle of it the, the, the previous evening, you know, 24 hours prior to that. So Yeah. Well, yeah. I was the kid in the mosh pit, like the giant guy in the mosh pit that was throwing people all over the place. Um, oh, were you actually like a mosher? Were you like the, the skip yeah. around in the circle guy? See, I've oh, never yeah. done that. I've never done that. I've been close to it. I mean, I saw suicidal tendencies in like 1989 yeah. at Cubby Bear. That was ridiculous. I was, And I'm always that guy who gets there three hours early because I want to be right up front. And I kind of claim that space a little yep. bit as close yeah. to the stage or whatever as I can and never got involved in the pit itself. But, God, I remember that one being, I mean, people being carried out of their bloody yeah, like ugly, nasty moshing, you know. Yep, that was me. I was one of those guys. Me and my well, all my friends were kind of bigger guys like me, and um, we would we would go until one of us passed out or something, and then catch a break, and then just go back in. That was my thing. That's uh, and, and you know, and I'm sure this has got to be surprising the listeners. It's surprising to me, and I've known you for God, what. 10, 12, 12 years now, maybe, yeah. right? And I am really yeah. surprised that you were the guy skipping in the circle, you know, and like the not skip, but you know what I mean? Whatever that's called. Yeah, yeah. I would oh, even wow. fucking like, there was one time I remember vividly that um, there was a the song I really wanted to, because there's like the, the more mosh ready songs. Um, it was at a, a Primus show. And um, there was the regular pit, and then there was like the weird skinheads that beat each other up mosh pit. Have you ever seen those? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, no. I know exactly what you're talking about. Well, the weird skinhead mosh pit was in between where I was and the pit that I wanted to get to. So I just burst directly through their weird fight, and I was just whipping people away and like knocking them on their asses to get to the mosh pit that I wanted to go to. That. Punch the table. I was so passionate about (laughs) it. That's what I did. (laughs) <laughs> that's uh, that's crazy and very surprising. Like I said I've known you for a long time, and I never would have picked that. I, I you know, and you were like, oh, I was sitting upstairs eating nachos. I was like, that's what I expect. I mean, not necessarily that, but you know what I mean. Like you're the guy like watching the show, you know, kind of yeah. like you know, maybe pumping your fist in the air a little bit. <laughs> not, not the crazy violent guy that comes home with you know I got kicked in the head by a combat boot. Guy, I, I so. so have been kicked in the head by combat boots. Absolutely, <sighs> too much for me. At any rate, you dodged the question. Have you seen anything good? Oh, um, movies. We I don't know how the hell we, we got from that because <laughs> we were talking about Alan Ball. Can I put this on oh, pause? I want to grab a drink. Is that okay? Yeah, yeah. All right. There's no rules tonight, so fucking anything goes. I hope you hear all those beers. Oh, yeah, we're actually going to talk about that a little bit. <laughs> All right, one sec. I'm going to get my copy of the stud book. 
All right, so we just took a break um, so Rob could get something to drink. It, it doesn't happen frequently, but I know there's times where we go along, and I'm like, God damn it, just pause. I got to get a soda. So you guys typically hear something pretty seamless. The reason I'm mentioning it right now is hoping that Rob will cut back in the audio because this is Rob's life at his new place. You you hear this, this I'm going to say it's wrong, like cacophony? Is that the word? Sure. Um, yeah, of, of just what sounds like 100 beer bottles that he's like just throwing around trying to find the one that he wants hilarious very accurate there's actually um i did a little organization of my apartment today and there was um five cases of um 22 ounce bottles of beer that i had to kind of sort through so that i could know which ones i could put in the fridge to drink so are you saying that's like a hundred like i was right like there's a hundred bottles of beer in your apartment (sighs) i mean give or take i mean is that what you're like five 20 case bottles is that 60 70, Jesus. 60, 70, something like that, yeah. Holy shit. Hey, is Boar's Head a good beer? See, is this is beer? what I was I talking thought... about at the top of the show. This is what this is going to devolve into, just random. <laughs> Boar's Head? I thought that was like the fucking like, meat company that provides meat okay. for delis. Oh, no. I'm pretty sure there's a there's a, a, a little liquor store right by the house, and they actually put up like a little banner out front. And I'm assuming it's beer because it said Boar's Head now available here, and it's just a shitty little liquor store. I mean, like they have, you know, you can get bread, maybe like a. a gallon of milk or something but I think that's fucking deli meat man oh maybe they carry deli meat it was boar's head now I've got to search this boar's head any rate um yeah that's that's it's <laughs> Rob has 70 <laughs> beers well uh since it's it's on topic I, I can tell you um the bottle that I chose to to open oh yes please please do okay Local brewery for Chicago, Revolution Brewing, has an imperial red ale named Red Skull. That's what I'm trying tonight. Uh, Boar's Head is a brewing company from Waterton, Wisconsin, which would explain. I'm I'm only 20 minutes from the Wisconsin border, so I'm guessing that's what they're carrying. I'll have to pay pay a little more attention, but that's what people brought up. Well, you know my, my level of knowledge of it by my answer. Yeah, I just saw it, and I was it's like, oh, I have to remember to mention this to Rob. Maybe this is some kind of really fancy pants beer. So, No, it's not on my radar, but I mean, I guess now it is. <laughs> um, all right, so I'm going to talk about a couple of movies, because we can't get Rob to talk about movies. <laughs> I know, I'm like, that's not, that's not going to happen. But when we were talking about non-mainstream stuff, I watched um, three movies, all pretty weird. Um, and this was probably two weeks ago. I went on a little movie-watching binge. So I watched the movie Spring. Um, and this was uh, oh, Bowden Steiner, I believe, mentioned it on uh, on Facebook, and I was like, "Oh, this sounds kind of interesting." So I watched it, and holy crap, this is one of the the um, better movies I've seen in a while. I'm going to read you the uh, the synopsis. A young man in a personal tailspin flees the U.S. to Italy, where he sparks up a romance with a woman harboring a dark primordial secret. That secret, Rob, is that she might be a monster. And it was a goddamn good movie. And I will tell you, I'm not one for for being enamored by uh, characters in movies uh, very often, you know, women or whatever. But, you know, I got to tell you, I was was crushing pretty hard on this this uh, this chick with the primordial secret while watching this. She was just absolutely adorable. Did you want to learn more about her primordial secret? Um, Yeah, that's see, that's the problem. It gets it gets really weird. So but I think this movie was really great. It's got a 6.6 on IMDb just because we were talking about ratings and how people feel about it. I don't necessarily know that it's for everybody. Great film, though. Nice. Yeah. 
I also watched um, at, at Kevin Helmick's um, at Kevin Helmick's suggestion when we were uh, driving either to or from Noir at the Bar a couple weeks ago, Byzantium, which is about uh, two uh, vampire uh, women. Um, pretty good flick there. I kind of really enjoyed that one too. And The Scribbler, which is one of the most batshit crazy movies I've seen in a while. And that has its lowest rating of the three on IMDb at 5.3. Um, I don't even know what to say about The Scribbler. Apparently it's based on a graphic novel. Hmm. But it's about a chick who gets moved to a halfway house. Um, she's she's got multiple personalities, but they they're letting her treat herself with some type of new electroshock therapy, which is supposed to kill off like her others, her other personalities. But what's really happening is every time she uses it, the one she calls the scribbler comes out, and there's a bunch of weird deaths. But it's just it's such a weird movie, and I, I'm not at all surprised that it has like a five on IMDb because I can see where it's a love it or hate it. But it's one of these movies. I'm going to read to you the cast of characters or the cast of this movie, and, and, and then I'm going to tell you where maybe you know some of them from. Katie Cassidy is in, uh, in, in Arrow, the TV show, and she was in Gossip Girl. Uh, Garrett Dillahunt um, was in um, Justified. I want to say it was the last season of Justified. He played the... Um, the weird cowboy s- guy? No, the, the special ops guy. Remember they had the... What was his name? Train... And the other guy. The oh, there was Choo Choo, and then there was a little Choo Choo, the redhead right. guy, right? Choo Choo's boss was the 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 guy, the guy who was heading up the little special ops team. Oh, um, yeah. Michelle Trachtenberg, yeah. also of the OC, Michael Imperioli, of tons of stuff, most notably probably The Sopranos. Um, Gina Gershon, no explanation needed. Sasha Gray, the porn star. Um, Eliza Dushku is in it. I, I mean, it just goes on and on. Oh, dude, it's got Michelle Trachtenberg and Eliza Dushku. Yes, they were both in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Oh, nice! See, I only knew Michelle from uh, from a Gossip Girl. But of I mean, course. like this this kind of personal all star cast. Like there was almost nobody in this movie I didn't recognize from something else that I really liked. But it's such a batshit crazy movie, um, worth a watch if you want to see something really weird. And and the the um, filmography, I guess. I, mean, I guess that's why I don't review movies. Um, was really good. I mean, it was a very pretty movie, a very prettily shot movie. Prettily, prettily. Hey, speaking of words, I was watching. This is how we talk. Yeah, I was watching. I have a question for you. Um, If uh, I was watching a a magic show, I was watching about Penn and Teller fool us earlier, and I heard someone pronounce a word that I'm pretty sure I've only ever seen written, and I think I might have been pronouncing it wrong. So, do you know what it's called? If someone takes like a deck of cards and then um, uh, I'm trying to say this so I don't say the word because I don't want to poison your your mind with with how I think it's pronounced. If they take it and like really fast, like sh- not shuffle through them, but you know where you grab an end and you pull up the corner. I know what you mean. I don't know the I don't know the word for it, but you okay. can spell it to me. All right. Well, I don't know because I, I guess I now I don't know that I've been reading it right. So, um, any rate, the magician said that he was going to riffle through the deck, and I'm pretty sure it's spelled just like rifle, which is how I've always pronounced that oh. in my head. I've never heard riffle. Yeah, so I don't know if it was, and it was it wasn't like a foreign because I mean they have you know like they had a French guy on the episode and stuff, so it wasn't that the guy spoke you know whatever American English, and said riffle, and it was enough for me to like just forget about what he was doing magic. I go riffle, is it really riffle? Because I've been saying <laughs> rifle in my head for years. That's the misdirection, man. This guy's a good magician. Oh man, <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. That's any rate. Well, thanks for nothing. I was thinking you. I thought for sure you would know. Of all people, yeah. You were having flashbacks when we were editing that fucking book. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty um, 
I do know there was a comma after riffle, regardless <laughs> of what you fucking say. God damn it. Not in my book, it wasn't. So, yeah. um, did you see the one with the Asian dude? Yes. Yeah, I actually saw it on the episode. I didn't see it on. I saw people sharing it on YouTube, but I pretty much saw it. That shit's nuts, dude. Did you see the Rubik's Cube guy? Yeah, yeah. I, I've been catching up on the DVRs. <laughs> is what happened. Yes, the Rubik's Cube guy. Who, you know, here's the whole thing. I don't think that was fooling him. The guy was very, very good at the Rubik's Cube. You know, that's why I was like, he's not fooling me. He's just fucking amazing with the Rubik's Cube. I know exactly what he's doing. He is solving that Rubik's Cube. <laughs> like, yeah, but some of that shit, how does he do it when it's fucking in uh, Teller's hand? Well, the the uh, so the thing when he did it in Teller's hand is he didn't actually solve it because it wasn't solved. He had matched it oh, up. he matched it to he the other one. He had shuffled it and then said it's solved. Yeah. And everyone's like, what do you mean? And he had completely matched it up. You know, clan, God, I'm gonna stop pronouncing words like clandestinely. Wow, clan, had, ooh, good one. Had, you know, so I would say maybe surreptitiously. Yeah, that could be it. Hey, by the way, it might be riffle because now that I'm looking at it, I, I googled it and it's spelled R I F F L E. Riffle, it is then. God damn it! All right. Does that mean that the people who say they're gonna rifle through a deck, they've been they're the ones that are kind of poisoning our mind about how it's supposed to be. Like they're thinking of the word spelled with one F. Yeah. I'm thinking that's the case. I'm thinking that's what I was thinking. Fuck. Have we been like getting influenced by idiots? Well, I guess there's really no way to avoid well, I'm, that. I'm one of the idiots. Hold on a second. Cause Emma saying is going to tell me how to pronounce this word. I was going to say the word, but then I pronounce it wrong. Oh yeah. She's saying it's riffle. Got a nice voice right there. Oh, could you hear that through the... Yeah, I did. Yeah, yeah MSA on Google. That bitch just sits around and reads words to, <laughs> to, to YouTube. And God damn it, I, I should look. She's probably got like 30 million page views. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right, we have no more conversation. Yeah, I think that might be, uh, that might be the end of this episode. Um, if you're a first-time listener... Um, please, please don't judge us based on the content of this particular episode. Go back and listen to us interview Paul Tremblay because you know what? That was good stuff. That was representative of what we do. Listen to us review New York by Rob Hart. I think we did a good job doing that too. You can riffle through some of our yeah, yeah, yep. back catalog. And um, Do you have any episodes you think that you would highly recommend that like you think, man, if I was introducing someone to the podcast, these are the episodes oh, that I that's point That's tough. Them? I mean, there are favorite ones that stick out, but it, I don't know that those are representative. The zombie extravaganza spectacular. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think that's really representative of what we do, but God damn it, it's brilliant. That one's really good. Um, <clears throat> I point people to, if you want a good live reading, episode 75 is David James Keaton at the wrong kind of reading. I think that was pretty much a high watermark in the, in the live readings, and that was one of our first, so it's kind of probably not that good to say that. Um, it was a really good interview that you enjoyed that you think was in retrospect like just like an awesome interview Max Berry was Ooh. really good Max Berry yeah and and a personal you know like a get right like a bucket list item like I never thought we'd be talking to Max Berry mm-hmm. yeah I would say and I, I hate this because I'm going to dig really deep and it's, it's, it's exactly what you said like I'm going to go back to all the first episodes right Craig Clevenger <clears throat> I got to give it up fucking Wendig Yep. I remember just having a great time doing that interview because he just had so much good stuff to say. Josh Mallerman comes to mind from recently. <sighs> Mallerman was a good interview. 
Paul Tremblay, I mean, for recent ones that were really, really knocked down awesome episodes. There's some people, and that's, here's the thing. It's not that it's a good interview. It's that we get somebody that you could listen to talk for hours. All we're there is to, to break up what they're saying occasionally with a dumb question like, so what are you working on next? Mm-hmm. That's all we do in yeah, those. Exactly. So, yeah. Or ask them a question that just makes them uncomfortable and then wait for them to answer it and then make them answer it some more. Yeah, maybe we'll get one of those. Um, so, again, I will be off in the wonderful western land of California where there is no water, everything's on fire, and eventually it's all going to sink into the sea. So I'm going to try and enjoy that before all that shit goes away. But we will be back next week with another episode possibly an interlude maybe we're gonna have an interview who fucking knows maybe we'll throw some sort of random extravaganza together and then have kind of <laughs> retconned a reason for there to be an extravaganza i could see that happening i'm thinking that maybe it'll be another episode where rob riffles through the 70 <laughs> beers in his fridge is there any food in your fridge just be honest is there anything Hang on a second. like if i came over now is there enough to feed me um no um i could make you a ham sandwich <laughs> okay and, I can and get you. Here, have a ham sandwich drunk. and six beers. I've got some Oreos. <laughs> well, here's right, the thing: so I'm going away for a week, so I don't want to. Oh, that's true. Yeah, so. yeah. Do you have Do you have legit Oreos? Yeah, freaking double stuffs, man. Okay, good. Yeah, good. love double stuffs. I do like golden Oreos too, but double stuffs are, are, are my heart. Um. Oh, you know what? It must have changed for you a lot because I talked to you and you were always like, "Yeah, I'm running down the street, grab a bite to eat." That's got to be hard for you now because I can't imagine. Do you have a walking place, like a walking distance, um, food place, or is it just like all of it's like 15 miles away? First of all, I apologize for the weird vibrating noise. I don't know what that is, but it's coming from somewhere in my apartment, and I'll have to investigate that <laughs> later on. Um, no, not really any walking distance places. Um, I think that's going to push me toward not going out to restaurants as much. Mm-hmm. Um, which means my fucking fridge will be overflowing with frozen pizzas uh, very, very soon. But I just had this weird logistical time where I moved in a week ago, and then I'm going to be gone for a week, so it was like, mm, so grocery shopping just got put on hold. Yeah, that makes sense. What is your closest eatery, since we've really just just devolved <laughs> into... Like, just... There's a hot dog place really close. Oh, cool. Uh, Wendy's, McDonald's. There's a fucking Dairy Queen. Oh, there's this place called Tacos El Norte. That's where I'm going to be going all the time. They make this burrito that's like three pounds. It's insane. I uh, I have a Tacos El Norte in Round Lake, and uh, their burritos are pretty good. Their guacamole yeah. leaves a little something to be desired. Yeah, they don't seem like they're super passionate about quality. <laughs> um, but it's good. I like it. Cool. I think that's a great note to go out on. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, until next time, I'm Livia Snudden. <laughs> and I'm Rob Olson. Keep riffling. Riffling. <laughs> Woo!